You know what this is. A commercial? Right, and you know what that means. <gasps> Time for a snack? Wrong. I want you to do some heart-healthy exercise. Yes, you! Try some seated leg extensions right now. Just lift each leg up and extend it straight, one at a time, six to eight times. I can do that. Yes, you can. Remember, every commercial is a chance to sneak in heart-healthy activity. Visit findexerciseanywhere.com and speak with your doctor to learn more about the risks of heart failure. Good evening, Ohio. It's James Ernest of the Grueling Truth Radio Network, where legends speak, and it's definitely the case tonight. We have Nikita Koloff, we have Neil Koloff, and we have Alexander Koloff of the Koloff Dynasty. Nikita, thank you for joining us tonight. Hey, let me just say, uh, it is always a pleasure to to be with uh, with uh, you guys. Hey, Ohio, Ohio. Excellent. So, what about what are you thinking, Neil? I'm thinking this is a great, uh, great time for us, and uh, uh, love the interview the last time. Thank you for having us back on, and we're uh, very humbled and, uh, and gracious to to be back on with you. Thank you. You guys were great. Definitely uh, appreciate you also coming back, Alexander. Yeah, same here. I'm glad to be back on. Uh, looking forward to another one. Um, always enjoy the questions and everything, and hearing some of Nikita's stories and ready to get at it. Excellent. So, Nikita, what sports did you play growing up? You know, I was an avid football fan. I, uh, you know, my heart, uh, it, it, it really in junior high school, uh, I just kind of fell in love with, with professional football and, and combination of that and, and weightlifting and, and, and gravitated to, towards those two things. I, uh, at an early age, picked up some bodybuilding magazines and, and just became infatuated by by those guys. And can remember at a very young age saying to myself, "One day, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna look like one of those guys." A little little side note: um, I tried I've tried baseball one year. I don't know. Do they have Do they have Babe Ruth League in in Ohio? Yes. Mm-hmm. So so. I tried baseball one year, and so I, I don't know if this is uh, I, this is quite a good thing. I don't know. Um, so I tried baseball. I I hated the curveball, like for real. Like I thought I was going to take my head off, and so I, I literally taught myself to switch hit, and so I would bat left-handed against every right-handed thrower, right-handed against every left-handed thrower, and and the the cool thing is. I literally hit an equal amount of singles, doubles, triples. Never got the home run. Got to the fence, but never got it over. But I uh, hit an equal amount, so I guess I was a halfway decent athlete. And then position-wise, I played most of the positions on the team, but a pitcher was the most fun because I did what, if there's any old baseball fans out there that might know the name Kent Colby, I did the old submarine pitching, I thought, well, I'll get these, these guys back. They're going to scare me with the curveball. I'm going to scare them with the with the submarine pitch. And uh, then was drafted for an all-star game and everything. But that was it. I'm like, I, I, I'm done. Give me a helmet. Give me some shoulder pads. Let me knock somebody's block off. Exactly. Uh, Got to love the sport of football. I understand that that one was one that you uh, pursued very thoroughly. 
And there were times where uh, there were possibilities of either the NFL or USFL that uh, came came very close. It, it, it did. I mean, I had a couple setbacks in college. Uh, and for those who really don't know my story or, or want to know more of my story, uh, they'll your, your listeners will want to get a, a copy of Nikita, A Tale of the Ring and Redemption, uh, my last book, really my life story. But um, interestingly, my freshman year, as well as my senior year, I suffered uh, fractured legs, not unlike Joe Theismann and, and more recently Alex Smith. Um, and, and yet I was determined that those setbacks would not hold me back. And I like to say I actually used them as a reason to, to, to make a comeback. And so I was on that path of, uh, of uh, pursuing professional football when I got the phone call for professional wrestling. Now, with, uh, with your high school days, the way I understand it, uh, the who's who of professional wrestling, were they there at the same time as you, or are they just also alums from the school? Yeah, it's a crazy story because, uh, in fact, I was just with uh, – Barry Darso last weekend doing an autograph signing in New York. Crusher Khrushchev, a.k.a. Axe, a.k.a. Repo Man, and, and a few other names. But, um, yeah, it's kind of great. In fact, on the same high school football team, one year anyway, uh, Barry Darso, John Nord, Nikita Koloff, Rick Rude, and Kurt Henning all played on the same high school football team. That is insane to think of. That I mean, shoot, such uh, great athletes all on the same team. Uh, did you all win the state? That, that's the next logical question. Everyone goes, "Wow, you 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 must have had an incredible foot." Unfortunately, coaching mm-hmm. is as much a part of the success of a football team as its players, and and we did not have the best coaching on the planet and therefore we honestly were about a 500 ball club maybe just a shade over 500 it it would have been nice to win a state championship but we just didn't have the coaching and then from there you went on you played in college you played at two different uh programs uh of the two which one was your favorite gosh you know i i I really enjoyed them both. A lot of memories come flooding back when you ask me about that, starting with, you know, Irv Nerdall and Bill Burke, uh, my, uh, my coach, two of my, two of my main coaches, my freshman year, and Ross Forchie and, and, uh, John Richmond, two of my main coaches, my senior year. And then some coaches sprinkled in between there. Dave Scrine, uh, was the head coach one year who, who actually, uh, wrote a book called Countdown to the Great Cup. He was the head coach. For one of the Canadian football, took the Canadian his Canadian team to the Grey Cup. Oh wow! Equivalent of uh, yeah, the equivalent of the Super Bowl. He had an all-star coaching staff. We had we had Dave Scrine, Art Meadowcroft, who played with the Minnesota Vikings, George Adzik, who played for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I mean, for for a small college football team to have a star-studded lineup like that was amazing. So I had some incredible coaches, and my my height. Between my, my the four years I played, I registered one year, 
between the four years I played, we were like 37 wins, three losses, and one tie. So I have to say, and uh, all four of the teams were nationally ranked for their particular division. And my freshman year, my senior year, we were number one in the nation for our, our division of college football. Unfortunately, uh, recently, uh, your uh, former best man and former teammate uh, passed away. Uh, which team did you play on with him? I recruited him right out of high school in 1978. Uh, Joe, you're referring to, of course, for your listeners, Road Warrior Animal. Joe Lornitis uh, played at Irondale High School in New Brighton, Minnesota, and I was part of the recruiting squad and Saw him highlighted in the Minneapolis Star Tribune, reached out. Those were, we were talking about this the other day. Those were the days when you could actually pick up a phone book and everybody's name, address, and phone number was right there at, at anybody's disposal. And now people freak out if they get your information, right? Oh, definitely. But, uh, right? But we had these big, thick phone books. And uh, anyway, um, and so I re- reached out and, and, and gave them, him and his mom and dad, a personal tour of the campus on one of our big recruiting nights. And and the rest is really history. Ah, and I, I'm sure you're probably going to lead into this, perhaps, but, you know, this ties into Ohio as well. There's mm-hmm. an Ohio story mixed in here, too. Oh, uh, you got me intrigued. I know his son uh, played at Ohio, um, but... Uh, What's the uh, what's the connection? So I became an Ohio State Buckeye fan, even though I'm, I'm from Minnesota. And mm-hmm. your listeners haven't figured it out I'm not from Russia. <laughs> uh, I'm from from Minnesota, but uh, and so I am a Golden Gopher fan, a Big Ten Golden Gopher fan. But for four years, I became an Ohio State Buckeye fan because of James Laurinaitis, playing linebacker for the Buckeyes. And, uh, and James actually is back uh, in the Columbus area living now. I was going to say, uh, I don't know, you probably thought of it too at the time. I always thought it was interesting that uh, one of the linebackers that was on the team with him, there was a Hawk. It was like A.J. Hawk, I think was the, the fellow's name. A.J. Hawk. Yeah, so there was a hawk and there was an animal on the on the team at the same time. So I always thought that was kind of fun. That's a little ironic, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, I mean, what are the odds? Going into your training for wrestling, Eddie Sharkey, what type of trainer was he? Uh, it's a great question. I have no idea because everyone assumes that because he trained all these other guys, he actually trained me. Now, I, I so I answer the question a two part answer. One, he must have been a decent trainer for for Rude and Darso and Henning and and these other guys to have the career they had. Uh, while at the same time, those who know my story, uh, or those who may maybe don't, um, but I, the day I walked into Jim Crockett's office, I walked in with. No amateur wrestling background, no professional training of any kind. I had met Eddie Sharkey, um, saw the guys a couple times at their camp, but as far as him training me, that that's been a question I've had to answer and address over and over and over again. I'm not sure why that's out there. I guess 
maybe just again just the assumption because I'm connected to all these other guys that he trained me, but he did not. Yeah, and I, you know, everybody usually has somebody that trained it, but it sounds like you went in there with uh, no experience and and did phenomenal things without the precursors that most places or most uh, wrestlers need. Well, it, it's a very unique story in that way. I don't know that there's another story like it. I mean, we've tried to do, we've done a, a lot of research. I don't know that that story would ever be uh, repeated uh, in today's world because typically they're going to make you go through a year or two years of training camp or WWE school or, or something or some some sort of camp or training, training school. Um, and, and so for me to to literally just walk in off the street and they they put me on an interview set put me the next night in the wrestling ring and I and I have an 11 second win on television and my debut was pretty pretty unheard of at the time and I doubt would ever be repeated again speaking of that uh, quick win is it true what uh, they say Crockett said about you? That if you tripped on the ropes, you would have been fired on the spot? Hey, well, it is true. And, and yeah, I hired and fired and all, all in, all in uh, 24 hours uh, uh, about. Um, I, I think he started because because I had no experience and, and he wanted us there early. We didn't get there early. Not my fault, but... but uh, they had to show me a couple basic things in the dress room, how to lock up and tie up and, you know, do this, do this. And, and, and Ivan gets the credit for talking him into still giving me the chance. Ivan had a very young, Ivan very early on, even though we had just met the day before, I guess maybe saw something in me that believed he believed in me enough that I could carry the ball without fumbling. And, and so and I have to say, in my mind, I'm like, well, how hard can that be? You don't trip on the ropes. But if you've never climbed in a professional wrestling ring, it's not as easy as you think it might be. But that certainly was my focus going to the ring that night. Don't trip on the ropes. Don't trip on the ropes. Definitely. I know what you mean. I've been privileged enough to get in there once or twice. And, yeah, I was going to say, they're not the easiest things to get through. And it's just amazing how the professional athletes of professional wrestling make it look so flawless going in and out. Well, and again, uh, typically, of course, because of all their, you know, all, all, the, all the training um, that they have done and years of, of experience. And here I walk in with zero experience and no training under my belt. Yeah, no amateur, not even amateur wrestling. And yet, uh, you know, I was able to fortunately pull it off and, and, uh, and have the success that I had. So tell us about Ivan Koloff's impact on you inside and outside of the ring. Well, he's, I had this conversation today, uh, on, uh, I've uh, got a radio show called uh, It's Time to Man Up and a podcast as well. And I was recording some shows today and we we're talking a little bit about this. Um, really how Ivan was kind of really kind of more of an uncle to me or as much of, of an uncle to me as, as an uncle, any uncle I ever had. The question was, is he really your uncle or were you really related? I get that all the time, right? You know, your brother, your cousin, your uncle. Um, but he took me under his wing, him and, and, initially Don Kernodal, 
it really taught me the ropes, uh, you know, pun intended, taught me the ropes of wrestling and the mechanics and psychology of old school wrestling. And, and then fast forward, even beyond our wrestling careers, we maintained uh, a, a friendship. In fact, we tag teamed on quite a number of ministry related uh, events and leading up to his passing where his wife had asked me to to speak at a, at a very small private grave graveside uh, service for him. And so we maintained a wonderful relationship and friendship uh, over all those years. And Ivan certainly gets a lot of the credit for my success. You've uh, been privileged to have some great partners, of course, like you said, Ivan and Don. Um, you also, um, what was... Uh, was Smash's name uh, was Crusher at one point, and uh, Baron Von Ruski. Tell us a little bit about those two guys. The Baron, I mean, Baron is, is classic, classic old school. Uh, and I was fortunate to, to have some great partners while at the same time be in the ring with some very legendary guys and learn from. I mean, uh, we could talk for a while on, just go down the list, starting with the Nature Boy Rick Flair to the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, as you mentioned, Ravishing Rick Rude, Lex Luger, Sting, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Cactus Jack, uh, Black Jack Lonzo, Wahoo McDaniel. I mean, there's such a laundry list of, of names, a long list of names of, of guys who had a name in wrestling that I was fortunate enough to either work with in partnership or work against. And all of those guys really contributed to my success. Jim Crockett Wrestling and WCW Wrestling are very similar in a lot of ways, but how were they different to you? Well, Jim Crockett, Jim Crockett Promotions was a mom-and-pop organization that Jim Sr. had, had uh, started way back when I think they, they first started in the promotion of boxing eventually got into professional wrestling uh, at one point they owned a, a minor league baseball team in Charlotte uh, I think affiliated with the Baltimore Orioles if I remember right um, and so they had always been around that world of promoting and and so it was it was great to work for a smaller organization like that. When Crockett eventually sold to Ted Turner and it became World Championship Wrestling, it shifted from a, a, a mom and pop to, to corporate America. And it just became a chapter in the portfolio of Ted Turner. So there wasn't as much, in my view, a hands-on, passionate, really love for the business as much as it was a just a business deal um, for Turner. Now, don't get me wrong, Turner loved wrestling, but he wasn't going to be hands-on like Jim Crockett Jr. was. It was yeah, he hired guys to run the organization, ultimately run it into the ground uh, as it sold and changed hands between Turner, Time Warner, AOL, and eventually, uh, you know, folded and, and, and the rest was history. So, were the Horsemen the greatest faction of all time? 
Uh, I would arguably say that they certainly made their mark in wrestling. And I know when, when, when I became one of the superpowers with Dusty Rhodes and, and he and I, or he and I and the Road Warriors in any combination stepped into the ring with the Four Horsemen, we did sell out business. So they certainly made their mark in wrestling as, as far as, uh, uh, a, a nucleus of guys who worked really, really well. Now, it's interesting. I, I was just looking at something today. And, uh, you know, there's been a number of different groups of the Four Horsemen, but a lot of times we've heard it said, you know, there's nothing like the original, right? Mm-hmm. And so, really, I feel between Oli and Arn, Tully and Rick, um, that original group was one one of the best of the best. Now, eventually Luger became a part of that, and he did add to to the mix. Um, but I still argue and say that that original group uh, was was, if not the best, certainly one of the best that had been assembled. Speaking of the best, which one of your biographies is the best? I think you mentioned one earlier. Well, Nikita, a tale of, of the Ring of Redemption uh, will give people not only a a glimpse into my life story, but William Murdoch, who, who wrote it with me, uh, is a wrestling historian. And so anyone who loves wrestling will really, I think, be fascinated because we, we took it back all the way back to the 1800s. So we give people an inside look at professional wrestling, kind of its roots and its beginnings, as well as the life of Nikita Koloff. So it's kind of a kind of a story within a story. So it goes all the way back uh, past George Hackensmith? It goes past George Hackensmith. Wow, you know your history. Good for you. Well, thank you. I try to keep up on it. Yeah, I mean... Gosh, there have been so many legends throughout the years, and to be just a part of that is has got to be amazing. So yeah, it mm-hmm. it is, and, and George Hackenschmidt, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny. The majority of your listeners probably don't have a clue who that is, but again, guys like him who really kind of paved the way. Uh, you know, gorgeous George wasn't the first. Uh, you know, there there were guys that came before him, Luthes and others really paved the way for professional wrestling to to be what it is today. Switching to a lighter note, is it true that your daughter won on America's Funniest Home Videos? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that is a little lighter note. She was determined. I have four girls, and, and she was maybe seven or eight at the time, and you know, I was relatively fresh off of television, and they were doing a a deal at the mall and she was determined to imitate her daddy and I'm like honey no, nobody's gonna think that that's funny but she in her mind she thought it was and she was gonna do it and so she did it and the producers and, and the whole crowd surrounding you know when she said I'm gonna imitate my daddy Nikita Koloff the Russian nightmare and she did the most muscular and stuck her tongue out and the crowd went crazy they're like is your dad here and, and she goes yeah he's right there and I'm like oh lord and so they pulled me onto the set. She did it. I did it. They flew her out to flew the family out to L.A. It was uh, they chose second place, and then she had a shot at the ten grand. 
I gave it to two comedians out of Las Vegas. I think it was rigged. Uh, not that everything's a work. <clears throat> um, but um, anyway, she won $2,000, and yeah, and uh, kudos to her. That's awesome. After wrestling, uh, obviously people's lives changed dramatically. I mean, you're still a part of it because you're still, you know, you're now managing again. But after your in-ring uh, competition, how did your life change? Well, it was uh, it was something that, that was not necessarily, again, on the radar, just like wrestling wasn't on the radar uh, when I broke into wrestling. It wasn't something I was necessarily looking for, um, nor, nor would uh, what happened uh, about 11 months after leaving wrestling um, through business contacts. I'd met a I met a Christian couple. I, I didn't grow up in church, and uh, but yet, uh, you know, I, I I knew the stories, uh, like like many, and and but just knowing the story didn't change my life. But I met this couple, and kind of the condensed version of that is, you know, I I called them up one day and said, hey, I'll be in in church on Sunday, and they said, we'll meet you there, and and that was a uh, life transforming day for me, uh, uh, really a divine encounter. As I attended the service and an invitation was given at the end, I went forward. Just there was just such a tugging of my heart, a really stirring in my in my spirit to go forward and surrender my life to Jesus. And I, that was 17 October 1993. And that decision that day, uh, never in a million years would I have dreamed. Fast forward all these years later, right, 27 years later that I will now, um, with the platform of wrestling, having traveled to 30 different countries, preached in about 1,200 churches, plus or minus 27 different denominations of churches, and and just partnered with, with one of my best friends, Lex Luger. In fact, we just finished up a camp last week called Man Camp, uh, where we just pour into the, into the heart and soul of men and the idea being to send them home uh, to be uh, uh, better husbands, better fathers, and just you know, just overall better out, out in the world. Um, never in a million years would I have dreamed I'd be doing uh, what I'm doing now on what you might say a, a full-time basis. Although still involved in wrestling, uh, as you mentioned, uh, with the two guys sitting in the in, in the uh, bullpen right now. Uh, we need to talk about them. So, Oh, definitely. And we're almost there. We're really close. I was going to say, you mentioned Luger. How is he doing nowadays? He's doing great. I mean, people don't, if people don't know his story or, or, or some of his story, I would encourage them to pick up a copy of his book, Wrestling with the Devil. Go right on Amazon, right online and find it. Um, follow him and I both on social media, uh, on Twitter and and uh, and I'm on Instagram and, and have a Facebook presence, but um, he, he's in, in spite of a spinal cord injury that he suffered back in 2007, he's doing phenomenal. He'll he'll be the first to tell you he's healthier now than he was back in those days when you saw him 270 pounds and chiseled. Um, he takes much better care of himself, and uh, believe it or not, in, in terms of eating and even exercising and. You know, the fact that the Lord brought the two of us back together in 2006 and and actually even had him living with me for 10 months in 2015, which is where we birthed the man camp in a conference called Man Up uh, 
when that was birthed. Uh, it's just great to be back uh, in partnership with him, tag teaming with him for for a, a much a much uh, you might say uh, a much greater reward. Uh, although we we loved entertaining the fans and still love going out, signing autographs, and meeting the fans. Now to be able to uh, minister to the fans as well as others around the world is uh, a... You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed special reward that is phenomenal i was going to say yeah i mean as much as the the sports a great sport and you know people enjoy it it's really more important about changing lives and and really just impacting people um yeah fortunately i've uh, about two years ago went through some changes and started going to church and uh, first church and it is uh made made a huge impact in my life it does. I mean, it's just it's, it, it. It can be. It can be very life changing for uh, for a lot of people. And in fact, um, one of the fun. I know we're going to talk to these guys here in a second. In fact, Alexander was a part of that that man camp last week, and and he may share some of that story with you. But uh, when you put yourself in in a place like that, like a camp or you know, you make a decision to attend church on a regular basis, uh, and you just open up your heart. And, and, and I mean, it's it's amazing at how, and not that life's just going to be as you know a smooth sailing ship or a bed of roses. I'm not saying that, but to have someone who sticks closer than a brother by your side who's not going to leave you nor nor ever forsake you, no matter what you're going through, what kind of adversity or what kind of you know, challenge you're going through in your life, that's so reassuring to know you have that relationship. Um, and so, yeah, very grateful and, and kudos to you for making that decision a couple of years ago. Thank you. Uh, Alexander, tell us a little bit about the camp. How, what was it like? What did you learn? It was, um, actually, I'm, well, even before Nikita had said it, I was going to tell you about it. It was, um, it was amazing. I mean, I was around a group of, uh, of really good men, and um, uh, we spent a week together, bonded. There was a lot of um, uh, activities that were that were you know centered around bringing us all together. It was great times worshiping, and um, it was it was great. The camp that it was at was in a in a place that you, know, you could really just feel how blessed it was as soon as you set foot on the grounds and. Um, 
it was life changing for me. I would, I would say, um, you know, any man that wants to get closer to God, be better for his family, and just be a, a better man in general, should check it out. I, I didn't leave at the end of the week being the same person I was when I got there. Wow, I mean that is that is phenomenal. And is that something that uh, people can only do in person? Is there can they learn about it online? How, how can they uh, get involved with that, uh, Nikita? Well, there's a website, mancamp.info, mancamp.info, and it is a face to face. What when Lex and I had the vision for this camp, we made a decision we we're going to keep the numbers small and and really kind of more intimate. I've got a staff that comes and volunteers their time. Every one of those men have been to a prior camp, and so now they're coming back saying, "I want to volunteer. I want to. I want to pour into these other men that are coming, uh, that are going to, you know, receive perhaps something similar to what I received and, and be a part of that." And and this last, the last couple one that we did, we, this last one we did, we had men from seven different states. I mean, we had men flying from Arizona and Texas and driving from Northern Virginia and Tennessee, North South Carolina and Georgia. And and the one prior that we did, did just this past June, we had men from, from age 18 to age 73. Dang. Um, yeah, so men, you know, really men of all ages. The 73-year-old was a retired pastor who was just still hungry for more of God and and, um, and and as as Alexander was talking about, there you know, there's team building. And there's there's a number of a variety of different things we do, you know, and, and while while we're all together. Um, but these guys, some of these guys, will make lifelong friendships um, by being a part of this camp. So yeah, if you're 18 years or older, man, go check it out. Uh, Mancamp.info. You'll find out more about it. If you have questions, you can shoot me a direct email right through the website. Excellent. Uh, Neil, last time we talked, you'd mentioned Nikita was up for a movie role, but he didn't get it because he was too intimidating. What was that role? <laughs> well, he was about to become uh, Ivan, the real Ivan Drago is what I, uh, I like to refer to him as. He was uh, uh, very intimidating to, uh, to fly. And uh, but it was not only that. The one thing that was uh, really awesome when uh, when you hear the story from Nikita himself is just the fact that it came down to three guys. It came down to himself, uh, Dolph Lundgren, obviously who got the part, and Carrie Von Erich of all people. And when you when you look at uh, everything, like I mean, because recently Alexander and I we were uh, you know offered a or not offered, but we were offered to uh, to read for a part. Uh, in a in a television series called Heels, it's going on the Stars Network, um, and hopefully soon we'll be uh, we'll be getting a call for that. And knock on wood, but um, reading the lines, knowing your lines, and having to remember your lines both inside and out, I it, it was something that when Alexander and I were reading for it, it took us it took me back to Nikita's story about you know reading for it for the part of Ivan Drago. And so, you know, we wanted to really nail this part, and I think we did. But uh, the funny part in it was that Carrie Von Eric walks up to him and says, uh, hey, do you, uh, do you know your lines? And Nikita's like, uh, well, yeah, I mean, inside and out, you know, I mean, it's, it's, we're one of the three that's going to get this part, man. And so 
did you not read your lines? Well, no, I didn't. I didn't really look at it. He goes, well, that kind of narrows it down. That's a 50 Not only did he not read, he didn't even know there were lines. He goes, hey, are, there some, are there some lines for this thing or something? I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, my gosh. So, the good news was the odds just increased for me from 33% chance to 50-50 chance of getting the role. Because I knew Von Eric had just eliminated himself from the opportunity. <laughs> he, he, took the, he took the tumble over the top rope and got knocked on the floor on that one. But the funny part about it was that uh, uh, Nikita, you know, stayed in character, uh, you know, on and off the set to where people really believed that you, we, we've got a real life Russian coming in here and reading for this part. And the funny part was that, you know, did the lines, they did a face-to-face, and then Sly loved it. And he looked at the director and he goes, it was awesome until y'all got face-to-face and we lost you in a shadow. And, uh, and I was like, you know what? What a way to go out. <laughs> what a way to go out on that one. So massive that, you know, they're like, hey, well, you know, in this movie, we know you would kill it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's supposed to be some reality to it. Yeah. Well, that that's what they explained. They when they called me a couple weeks later. They go, you know, Rocky Balboa is 35 years old in the movie, and even even for Hollywood, it would be a stretch that this 35 year old boxer could come back and and beat a 285 pound, you know, chiseled in stone, you know, opponent and. And I got it. I, you know, I, I respected that. But yeah, I, did, I knew my opportunity wasn't uh, when they said we lost you in his shadow. That wasn't good for Stallone, uh, his ego, or my opportunity. You know, Ro- Rocky Balboa was dwarfed by the Russian nightmare. Hey, yo, they can't see me. They can't see me. <laughs> so, Alexander, what movie role were you all up for, or is it still hush hush? You can't talk about it. It was, uh, I don't know, we weren't told not to talk about it. I don't know, we'll blow the opportunity we're not talking about it. Um, it. It was like Jeff said, it, Neil said, it was a, um, a part for two characters that was so wrestling-based show that's going to be on Stars Network. Oh, nice. I was going to say, when you mentioned something about heels uh, for a second there, I was like, oh, good, you're going to be joining the uh, AEW's women's wrestling movement, but obviously different type of heels. <laughs> we, look, we look terrible in dresses, so I think they turned us down on that. Last awesome. time I looked. <laughs> so, uh, and, you will, and, and, mm-hmm. and you will not see the, the Russian Nightmare in pumps. So just <laughs> Good. Yeah, that sounds like a scary thought. So, why did you, cre- Nikita, why did you create the Koloff dynasty? You know, it was uh, over the period of years uh, since retiring from wrestling. Uh, again, I've stayed somewhat active in the sense of autograph signings, you know, Comic-Cons and Legends wrestling events and those sorts of things. And actually, we've even done wrestling outreaches, believe it or not, where we've, we, we've given... We've, we've given fans actual wrestling matches and then some of the guys, different guys on the wrestling card who were Jesus followers would share their story or their testimony how, how Jesus changed their life. And so we began to use wrestling as an outreach um, to draw in an audience that might not otherwise darken the door of a church. And we, uh, we have actually seen 
literally I've witnessed thousands from little little kids to grandma and grandpa with tears running down their cheeks standing around a wrestling ring that became an altar and, and giving their life to the Lord. And so I, I've, I've remained in the world of wrestling. Uh, I'll always have an affinity for it. And so when, when Neil approached me, gosh, uh, may, maybe a few years ago, not two, three years ago now, with the idea of extending the Koloff name, you know, obviously Uncle Ivan had established the Koloff name many years ago, especially when he beat Bruno San Martino in Madison Square Garden. And, and nearly created a riot, like for real. Um, and then to bring me aboard as nephew Nikita, and and again, to continue to extend that Koloff name, when, when Neil approached me with the idea, um, I, I was not opposed to it by any stretch of the imagination. I was actually intrigued by the idea. And so... You know, we talked back and forth over the period of, you know, maybe about a year, I guess. I was kind of, he may or may not know this, probably does know, but, you know, just kind of testing him to see how serious he was about it. So we would have some conversations about it. But, uh, you know, I, the old expression, the timing is, is everything. Uh, I was, in a sense, waiting for the right time mm -hmm. that if we were going to do it, when to launch it. And so in the process of our of our talks, um, Alexander comes into the picture. Because in my mind, Ivan and I were a tag team. Now, yes, I did a lot of singles wrestling. And Neil and I even talked about potentially him being a singles wrestler. But I asked him, I go, hey, what's what's kind of lacking in the, in the professional world today? And he goes, tag team wrestling. I go, well, there you go. Uh, then, then that's it. Let's. Let's find you a partner and and put the two of you together and, and and create not just a legacy, but create a dynasty. And so Alexander comes into the picture, we begin to talk and and, and I was very familiar with Neil's back. I'd watched him wrestle over the last decade, uh, perfect his craft. Saw some film of of Alexander, liked what I saw there, liked his look. And, and then the two of them coming together, you know, we did some workouts in, in the gym and some workouts in the ring and, and saw what they were capable of. Took them down to Atlanta for, for, uh, for the Circle Square, the NWA Power, and, and they got an opportunity to, to debut uh, some of their talent and just feel like these guys... Uh, have a, a, a real shot at one extending their career and two um, you know per, perhaps getting getting a run at you know at, at that level so uh, Neil what type of uh, routine what did he put you through how intense was that training process oh oh boy so, uh, a lot of a lot of repetitions a lot of uh, repetitions of just for one, muscle memory, which was one of the big things that we needed uh, for this, is uh, we needed to look the part, and not just with our faces, but with our bodies. Um, I know Alexander and I, we both have been through uh, tremendous 
practice uh, uh, workout regimens to where uh, you know some of it is more toning, but at the same time, like we need we put on our size too, so where we can fit this role. Because I mean, when you look at it, Ivan was uh, you know known back whenever he beat Bruno in the Garden uh, in the seventies. I mean, he was a three hundred pound man. You know, even though he was not a tall man, but he he was three hundred pounds and stout at that. And even you know, going in through uh, the later years, once Nikita was uh, introduced, Nikita was chiseled from head to toe. You know, coming from straight from uh, you know uh, football tryouts and just working out like a madman and basically you know having a sleeping bag in the gym. You know, that was that was what he was instilling in us to where there's going to be some days where you don't feel like coming into the gym. There's going to be some days where you feel like not doing anything, but that's why you push through and that's why you uh, persevere through everything. And that's just some of the things that, uh, that Nikita has brought to us. And even just the simple psychology of, um, of, just tag team wrestling like we would uh send nikita a, a tag match that we would do and it's like we alexander and i we would think that the match was just golden like oh man this match was amazing send it to nikita and next thing you know it's like <laughs> we get bullet points on this is this is what you did right this is what you did wrong and, and i'm a person that i i want to know you know okay tell, you know i'm fine with doing knowing what i did right but tell me what i did wrong Tell me what I did wrong so where I can know how to improve it the next time so where that doesn't happen again. Because we all make mistakes. But at the same time, even, you know, one of the best in the world, the best in the world, in my opinion, uh, Nikita, you know, coaching us through that. Which is why when we first came out, he was Coach K. Now he's Uncle Nikita. But it was a very, very uh, rigorous training routine. I was going to say, that's one of the great things about professional wrestling. It seems to be a, a family, even if not related. It seems the connections are maybe even more uh, intense because of the physical nature of the sport. Uh, what do you think about that, Alexander? Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, we've, we've bonded um, fairly quick for three guys like, like Nikita touched on. He and Neil had... Um, known each other for a while and then um, prior to becoming a team Neil and I knew of each other and, and were friendly and everything but weren't close like we are now and um, so yeah becoming a team and now becoming like family um, you're right I mean traveling together the time we've spent together the bonding through how Nikita has encouraged us and pushed us to become better um, it's created a tight-knit bond between us. I have to jump in here, if you don't mind. A, a funny story, if I may, when we, uh, when I first approached Nikita about the idea. Um, Nikita and I would talk often, uh, you know, and just, you know, Nikita has been uh, not just a, a, you know, a great uh, mentor, but a, an amazing friend. And, and not only that, but now an amazing uncle. Um, the funny thing that happened was... Uh, uh, we were talking just on the phone. I was here in my home. My fiance was with me, and uh, I'm just sitting there watching TV. And uh, as Nikita and I are talking, and, and uh, Donald Trump comes on the television, and you know they're talking about you know the Russian collusion and Russian this and Russian that. And 
Nikita had, uh, had told me to hold on just one second. He was doing something. And then I'm just looking at Donald Trump and looking at the Russian collusion. I was like, man, that, that'd be an awesome gimmick. And I stopped and I looked at the phone and it says Nikita Koloff. And I looked back at the TV and I looked and he got back on the phone. And I said, I said, Nikita, I was like, I'm sorry. I don't mean to do this, but I got to let you go. It's about you. And I am got to think about some things and I'll call you tomorrow. First thing, don't worry about it. And then that's when he goes, I'm okay. <laughs> so I was like, it's nothing bad. Don't worry. And I hung up. That's when I called him back the next day, presented the idea of uh, extending the Koloff uh, legacy, the Koloff dynasty. And uh, that, that was just a funny story. And it all led to Donald Trump. <laughs> the collusion, the collusion. Uh, I'll I'll tag tag a little something onto that as well. In that with with the with the idea of this for people to understand, you know, it's it's not it's a different era of wrestling than it was in in those days. Um, I came in, projected myself, portrayed myself as I was nephew. Uh, learned a little bit of the English language or of the Russian language, signed my name in Russian, and to convince people I was from Russia. Which, which, uh, I, I, interestingly enough, people still to this day I still meet people who freak out when they don't hear the accent or, or and or figure out I'm really not from Russia. But with with Neil and Alexander, we from the start decided to take a different approach. I mean, it's no secret that guys repackage themselves in professional wrestling. Hence, Crusher Khrushchev, Demolition, you know, Axe or Smash, Repo Man, right? You go down to Cactus Jack, Mankind, Mick Foley, you know, Stunning Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Mean Mark Callis, Undertaker. I mean, so you go kind of down the list of guys who've repackaged themselves. And so two things come to mind with Neil and Alexander is that they had very successful careers prior to this, but had an interest in taking their game to the next level, which, which every elite athlete has a coach. And so I'm not 100% of the time with them, but as they said, they would send me videos of their matches. And it wasn't so much me pointing out not necessarily what they did wrong, but what they could do to improve upon what they were already doing. And so to help take their game to the next level, and then as Koloff Dynasty repackaging them, as Koloff Dynasty with the opportunity, as we mentioned earlier in the show, to extend the Koloff name from, from not just a legacy, but to a dynasty. And these guys have the ability to carry it out and so hopefully they're going to get you know break whether it's with an aew or an impact or ring of honor or and whoever nwa that they're going to get a shot at at some some world titles some world belts uh, somewhere somewhere along the line it's not like they don't have any history with tully blanchard and arn anderson and cody rhodes you know etc um so we'll see we'll see where this goes so, do you all have anything currently booked, Neil? Uh, yes, yes, we have some stuff booked mainly for uh, Lariato Pro and uh, Wrestle America, uh, both out of Georgia. Uh, Lariato Pro is looking. 
starting to extend uh, into South Carolina and in North Carolina, which is uh, uh, ran by uh, Dot Gallows of uh, Impact Wrestling. And they're on uh, Impact Plus uh, with their uh, shows that they film each and every time whenever they have a, a show, whether it's, uh, you know, out into a field or inside, you know, COVID safe. But uh, a very, very awesome promotion. Russell America has been very, very good to us. And um, I want to say it's, uh, is it Soar, uh, Alexander? Is it Soar Wrestling? Yes, in Dallas. In Dallas, Texas, um, there's uh, that promotion. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that are on the books. And, um, and yeah, so everything's looking up. Everything is looking really amazing. And uh, the the future for the Koloff dynasty is, uh, is in place, for sure. Definitely. Like you mentioned, Lariato and Impact. I mean, uh, recently had uh, Josh Alexander on to talk about Impact's tag team division, which... Uh, Coincidentally, uh, the same week I had him on, he ended up winning the tag team champions. I, you know, not that I take any uh, credit for uh, being good luck, but uh, you know, both him and Chris Bay have been on the show, and both uh, have went on to win championships within the same week. So I'm just saying, you know. Hey, there, there could be a connection there somewhere. You never know. We'll have to see. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, it sounds like you guys are open to op- uh, new opportunities. Yeah, I would say one hundred percent. And and again, you know, we're we're just, um, you know, I don't want to say we're being selective, but at the same time, we're not just going to throw ourselves out there. Uh, And and I've told both, you know, Alexander and Neil, um, you know, as they as they continue, you know, we're in a kind of a different season of time right now, and so it is a, a, a slightly different, but. You know, I anticipate 2021, you know, some things opening up and opportunities for these guys. And, and uh, you know, whether it's me standing in their corner uh, or me coaching from, from a distance, um, you know, these as I said, these guys have what it takes. And, and I anticipate uh, the wrestling world will, will be impacted by, by what these two guys do. So uh, we're going to do this in reverse alphabetical order. So uh, we're going to have you go around and uh, give out your social media, any of the other important final thoughts that you want to give, uh, you know, for our fans so they can follow you and learn more about the uh, the Koloff dynasty. We'll start with Nikita. I appreciate it. Thank you. People can find me on, of course, Twitter, uh, Instagram. I, I'm Typically I'm posting little positive note each and every day just as a word of encouragement to people that's part of what i do as well i'm an i'm an encourager at least i try to be um so nikita koloff with the number one behind it uh they will find me there on on twitter and instagram there is a facebook presence if they're looking for me on facebook look for a photo of me standing in a river with two other guys ted dibiase jason sanderson standing in the jordan river when we were there in Israel baptizing each other in the Jordan, that's that's the real me on Facebook. And then look me up on, on iTunes, Spotify, all, all the uh, podcast platforms. Uh, download It's Time to Man Up. We've had some great stories on there already. Uh, Lex Luger, Jackson Riker, who is uh, one of the Forgotten Sons with SmackDown. Uh, his story interviewed him. And actually my youngest daughter, Colby, uh, from uh, back 
when she was on uh, reality TV back uh, several years ago, interviewed her and, and, and just some just phenomenal stories that you're going to hear uh, from lots of people. So it's time to man up the podcast. If you're on the East Coast, you can actually catch it on Truth Radio Network. Um, but those are my social media platforms. Neil? Uh, yeah, so you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, which it changed recently, which is awesome, uh, which is uh, facebook.com slash Neil Koloff, and on Instagram, at Neil Koloff. On uh, Twitter, it's at Jeff Lewis Neil. And uh, every morning, uh, you can find me on uh, Hot 98.1 here in Greenville, South Carolina, which it reaches into Charlotte and Atlanta, and we're syndicated uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee. Those Facebook pages are uh, facebook.com slash uh, hot uh, 1045 and um, which is based in Knoxville, Tennessee and facebook.com slash hot 98.1 and Alexander tell them why we saved the best for last <laughs> mine's uh, at Alexander Koloff on Twitter at Alexander Koloff on Instagram and Alexander Koloff on Facebook uh, spelled with a K and an S not an X Excellent. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for joining us today. Thank you for having us. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how Voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more.